Greg, for the longest time, didn't own a car. And so when he would travel to Japan, uh, he, when he got back to the airport, he would rent a car and he'd drive it around for a week. And then when he had his next week's bookings, he would take that car back to the airport and drop it off. And then um, would then fly around, go you know do all his shows for, the, for that weekend, fly back to the airport rent a car for five days and just would would live his life like that for years for years at the a time man could be a millionaire with that much money he spent and i, I told like him I, I said this is this is an insane way to live for a number of reasons but for the for the most part like if if you owned a car your expenses would be so much lower and he said well i tried to buy a car but I didn't have any credit. And I'm like, why don't, why don't you have credit? I think I know the answer, but tell me why. <laughs> and he said, because when I was with WWE, uh, I leased a car and, um, I didn't, I didn't realize you had to return it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I love that Goomba so much. <laughs> oh my so, God. So one day I went outside and they had repossessed it. Oh no. And then uh, a few years later, I went to buy a car and I went to Toyota and I got through the entire process and then they went to check my credit and they said, sir, you've been red flagged. Toyota Motor Corporation will never, ever, ever extend you credit for the rest of your life. That rules. And so I said, well, what did you do? And he's like, well, nothing. I just I just took an Uber home. Uh, <laughs> And then, uh, and I was like, man, you, you really gotta, you really gotta get a car. This is really important. And he, and like, like I was just for months, I was just like, like just haranguing him. And then finally he was like, yeah, I think I'm going to buy a car, but I'm really worried. I'm like, what about your credit? And he's like, no, I don't know how to park at the airport. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, there's a parking lot for that. He's like, I've only ever been to the rental car return. I don't know where the parking lot is. They have signs, Greg. <laughs> they have signs. That's, that's beautiful. Hello, and welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, explain why wrestling is cool to new fan, my friend Rachel Millman. What's up, Rachel? Hi! I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped for this episode today. I'm we've, real pumped. We've had it kind of in the making. We've been working on it, like, setting it up for, like, about six weeks now, I think, I feel like. Maybe Something like that. I don't know. My concept of time is just, like, I'm completely sundowning. I can't remember area. when we started bother- bothering our guest on Twitter. So. I mean, we bother all of our guests online <laughs> to like a certain degree our podcast is like half podcast and half coordinated harassment campaign of uh, wrestling people we like <laughs> so but it's going well because uh, we have a guest today yeah a very special guest near and dear to our hearts we have uh, Excalibur of PWG is on the show today hey what's up dude hey guys uh, you guys are unrelenting <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I prefer tenacious, but I also love a different interpretation. Uh, <laughs> one might say perseverant. One might say 
relentless. I don't know. I choose to go with gregarious, (laughs) but that's just me. Uh (laughs) This is very exciting uh, for me, not only as a PWG fan, but also because um, I've brought uh, Rachel into the world of PWG. We've watched a lot of um, PWG stuff for the show. And I remember the first thing we watched from PWG was for our episode about the best friends. Oh yeah, naturally, right? <laughs> and you specifically were like, I really like the commentary uh, where someone says that uh, Trent Beretta is building a Minecraft-like uh, castle of chairs. <laughs> And uh, we have the originator of such amazing insights actually yeah. on the podcast, which yeah, is wonderful. Yeah, man. This is very cool to us. And, like, we love... Uh, we want to get, every like, every single possible perspective on this as it goes forward in the future. But, like, commentary is definitely not one that we have gotten to yet. Yeah. So, um... I know you used to wrestle. You start... When you started PWG, you were, you were still wrestling at that time, right? Yeah, yeah. I retired... I mean, I guess... Uh, in, informally retired in about 2006, so 12 years ago, which is seems like a lifetime. But yeah, I started started in about 99, and then so I wrestled for almost almost seven years. And then, so you've been doing commentary now longer than you ever actually wrestled. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just uh, last last Friday, the 13th of July, was PWG's 15th anniversary, which is mm. absolutely bonkers. There's, I mean. Like like Will Osprey has told me like oh one of my first wrestling memories was watching a PWG show and it's like oh that's disgusting. Yeah. Will Osprey was like three when you guys started. Yeah, it's but amazing. now yeah. I've now I'm much more like intrinsically related like connected to Will Osprey because that's also one of my first things. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry I've given you more things to have in common with Will Osprey. I also like screaming, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, PWG is like it's I think the first thing I actually ever watched was PWG so I got into wrestling because an old boyfriend of mine was really into it and he had me watch um, like I don't remember who was in the match except that Dalton Castle was in it and people were kissing and I was like this rules I love this (laughs) I'm so happy it was Dalton (laughs) every time I think about Dalton I think about the fact that he and I lived in the same city for a very long time and I didn't know who he was and he was just like being Dalton like maybe four streets away that's beautiful like it's wonderful but yeah it's a huge deal people people love it how how is that like when did it start being what it is now where it's like crazy standing room only tickets sell out in two minutes and everyone goes nuts for it um it was about six years ago i'd say is when like we had never sold out the building um before we had it was el generico and kevin steen in their first ever ladder match Oh, and, sweet. And that was Steenwolf, I believe, was the show. And um, that that sold out. And we were like, oh, wow, this is weird. Because we're, you know, like we just survived solely on selling walk-up tickets. And after that, it, you know, gradually became a little tougher and a little tougher, you know, to get tickets. Or, you know, we'd sell out a little sooner and a little sooner. And then, ah, God, I can't, I can't remember the first time we sold out in like, five minutes but when we did we were just in in complete disbelief because it had taken so long to get to that point i mean it taken probably um you know eight nine years to to you know be able to sell out this this legion hall that yeah you know i mean really doesn't hold a lot of people but you know we we got to that point and we were really happy keeping it where 
you know, where it was and, you know, didn't never really had any aspirations of getting any bigger than that, which I know sounds weird because it's technically a business, but we don't necessarily run it as such. And so, you know, we were very, very happy to stay, you know, at the level that we did and keep it this, this kind of small, intimate thing, because I mean, that was, that was part of the magic was, was being in that building and that building was a shithole, but it was still, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like I, every time somebody comes or would go there for the first time, they'd be like, Oh man, I can't believe I'm actually here. And it's like, I can't believe I'm actually here. Cause this place <laughs> has, has black mold coming out of the ceiling. But. <laughs> Did any other stuff get, does any other stuff get run there still or? They would do like quinceañeras and, you know, like retirement parties and things like that. But uh, we were really, the, I mean, the only wrestling that had run there for, for a number of years. I mean, I think in the very early 2000s, there were some, some other smaller promotions or, you know, small promotions that uh, in Southern California that would run there. But that was it. I mean, they would just do like, you know, dances and quinceañeras. And that, I mean, that was like the bulk of their business. So... That's like really interesting to me because I feel like that is a very different perspective than it seems like most wrestling promotions have of like, we're very excited to be selling out this American Legion Hall. We have really no plans to expand or to like run anywhere else or do anything like that. And yet you guys are like one of the biggest, most popular like indie promotions in the country. Do you think it's because of that attitude or do you think you just have like been running long enough that you have good relations with people or why do you think it is so beloved? Um, I think from, from a pan, uh, fan perspective from, for the live show, it's definitely part of the exclusivity is, you know, that's, that's a big thing is being able to get in and, you know, just be, be in the building and see that show. But once, you know, once you're actually in the building, I think the, the wrestling, and I can't, you know, you can't put a finger completely on it, what makes it so unique, but definitely guys when they are in that building and when they are in a PWG ring tend to, you know, turn it up a little bit. And, you know, whether that's the, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like a, a weird Ouroboros of like PWG has this reputation of quality. So then I have to have a good match there. And then that, forces the you know then that raises the reputation for quality or um you know i don't i don't i don't know what exactly it is but i think you know a lot of it was that uh super dragon especially would just like book guys that he liked watching wrestle and would just say go out there and have a good match like that's literally all we ever tell anybody is just go have a good match so and, by that, do you mean that you give people like a lot more leeway or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's, I mean, not total creative freedom, sure. but you know, I mean, for, for the most part, it will let people do, you know, do whatever they, they see fit. And I mean, basically our, our, our one hard and fast rule is please don't break too many chairs because they're expensive. <laughs> That's reasonable. It reminds yeah. me a lot of, so I'm a stand-up comedian, right? And PWG reminds me a lot of like basically like the alt comedy club. Like you have your comedy club where you're, you know, there's a two drink minimum and people are doing like their act. They're like the thing that they're sort of known for. And then you can go to the alt comedy club and it's like real small and it's like these big names, but they're doing stuff that's like maybe a little different or maybe a little more like the, the it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Like you said, it's like, 
people seem to really step it up, but in some ways they also seem like they can let their hair down a little bit and like be a little more creative. At least from watching PWG as a viewer, I get that vibe from it. Yeah, I mean that's that's something we always tried to, um, you know, try try to convey not you know not necessarily in words but just in in the product we'd produce and i think the wrestlers kind of got that where guys would go there and you know some guys if there's their first time there they were young and up and coming they would go there and they would feel like oh i have to absolutely knock it out of the park where other guys just felt like they could go there and just explore and figure you know just try stuff like there was uh, we had a match where Kenny Omega and, and Brian Danielson uh, sang John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt in the middle of the ring. Have I made you watch that? You have made me watch that. And we get an <laughs> at reply on the Twitter account once a week. That's like, Rachel, have you seen this yet? <laughs> so it's it's I not only have I watched it, I think it's like a hallmark. Oh, not only have you watched it now, you hate it. Now you're no, like, stop. I don't hate it. It's to me, it's more of a hallmark of like are you at this level of knowledge yet? Like, do you know what this is? And I think also, I don't think it can all be wiped away with like some sort of like mansplaining or like some sort of like condescending term. I think it's- I can't imagine someone being condescending about John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. And if they're out there, I would like I mean, to they, fight them. I mean, we, 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 like, <laughs> that's true. Like we, I, I think I feel a lot more of the condescension, um, <laughs> but I think specific to that clip, it's also being a person being like, I just saw this. Oh, my God. Have other people seen this? It's like learning a weird fact. Like you want to pass it on with joy. Yeah. That's how I choose to view it. Otherwise, I'll go insane. (laughs) Because people just want to yell stuff at you about wrestling now. Have you heard of Kenny Omega? Like, yes, I have at this point. We're six months in. Please chill. Um, (laughs) I've I've done a good job teaching you, although. Well, I mean, I can't get super upset with those people because they just want me to share their enthusiasm. That's how I try to look at it, because like sometimes I do kind of grit my teeth at it a little bit, but it's like. This is just all a thing that everyone's really excited about, and that's great. But that enthusiasm is the reason that this show exists, and the reason that we're here is because I got such an overwhelming, like, kind welcome from a community that just wants to, that seems to just want to share. And I'm not saying that's the whole community. I'm not saying there's zero (laughs) problems with it, but, like, our corner of it, fucking great. I love it. They rock. Um, so that's, that's my take on it. <laughs> the thing that like, I think was the big, the, the reason, like the, fir- the first thing I watched of wrestling was not PWG obviously, but I remember seeing it being like, oh, comedy wrestling can actually be funny. And that was like a big, like mind blowing. Yeah. Moment. Cause when you say comedy wrestling and you don't know wrestling, you immediately think like rodeo clown. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me, maybe it's cause I watch baskets. I don't know. but i mean you showed me comedy wrestling straight off the bat and i was like oh this is actually super fun it's it's a good time because the first thing i watched was the bucks oh yeah yeah who are pretty integral to pwg i would say at this point definitely yeah i think i think they and we are kind of intrinsically tied together because it was you know, it's kind of PWG where they came into their own. And I mean, you know, literally there is a pivotal moment in the Young Bucks careers where they were just like these, you know, goody two shoes, baby faces. And they were actually wrestling uh, Chuck Taylor and Kenny Omega in a tag team tournament. And uh, 
Chuck and, and Kenny were the men of low moral fiber. And great tag team name. It, Excellent. Tag. Uh, I love it. I it love was, it so much. It was a, a tag team name taken from uh, the secret of monkey Island, which was a PC game in the late eighties. Uh, <laughs> nerds. Nerds. Yeah. Nerds. <laughs> nerds. Nerds. Uh, <laughs> But yes. Uh, uh, and so they were, uh, you know, the Chuck and Kenny were ostensibly supposed to be the heels, but they were so beloved that when the young bucks beat them, the crowd just immediately and viciously like turn, it was, I don't remember ever seeing fans turn on something quite like that. And when, you know, after, after that night, they were like, well, shit, we've got to lean into this. And then they leaned into it and they leaned into it further. And now they're doing like the Michael Jackson moonwalker lean where they are <laughs> you know, 30, 30 degrees, uh, parallel to, to the ground and they have leaned into it so far, but it all traces <laughs> back to that one night. That's yeah, awesome. I, that's, that's like, I feel like that really speaks to like what can come about when you let people like really have the creative freedom to do what they need to do. Like, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about wrestling in terms of how it is, how it is executed. But the thing that I like about it as someone who is a live performer with standup is that like you, you have that immediate feedback of the crowd and then you get to decide what to do with it. And if you are in a promotion that is dictating from the top down what you're supposed to be doing, then you don't have that, uh, ability to like pivot around like the, what the crowd actually wants, which I think is like such a, such a boon to like letting people actually do what they're good at. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a little biased, uh, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, guys that are successful in PWG are a successful because, you know, they have kind of the raw materials to succeed, but B they have the awareness to to hone those you know the, the those raw materials and to to realize oh shit I'm onto something and I need to run with it you know like I mean Dustin and Greg they were thrown together as just a, a one night it was a, a tag team with Joey Ryan they were they were the best friends and they you know they just happened to get thrown together in one night and then afterwards like they they were like oh we should be the guys that barely know each other but are on a tag team <laughs> and then it just kind of evolved from there and they realized they had something and they ran with it and just like the young bucks realized oh we're actually much better as heels than we are as baby faces and you know like kevin steen realizing oh wait i could i can actually talk and cut a promo and and do all these things and you know they uh for the longest time people thought he had a weird accent <laughs> so they, they wouldn't let him talk and you know in pwg we're like yeah whatever you know just just don't go too long. And he'd be like, okay, and that, that would be it. That, I mean, that would be literally the only direction we'd give him. Don't go too long. Don't break too many chairs. Yeah. The, yeah. the two rules of PWG. Well, I mean, why do you think Kevin's not in PWG anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you got rid chairs. of him because he broke yeah. too many chairs. Too many chairs. <laughs> and who knows what he's doing now? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll find him. Maybe at a Shania concert. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> Why do you think people love PWG so much? Like you mentioned sort of like the cool aspect. I mean, it is a show. Well, it's not in L.A., but it's kind of in L.A. So the fact that it's hard to get into is probably part of it. <laughs> Who doesn't love hipster cred? But I mean, how do you like, do you even bother confronting that sort of like hipster credibility part of it? Or is that just kind of like a nothingness to you? Um, it doesn't. It, it, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, personally, like, 
when certain people come to our shows, I, I freak out, but it's more not necessarily um, because it's like, oh, I'm meeting somebody famous. It's um, it's somebody somebody that I, I enjoy or somebody that I respect is here um, and like watching something that I, you know, I've had a hand in building like, um, Mike Patton from faith no more showed up at one of our shows. And to me, that was super, that was super huge. And like, I, uh, I was I was so nervous to even just go up and talk to him, and I was just like, "Hey, man, you, you, your music really means a lot to me, and I'm really happy you're here. Thanks." And then I just like ran away. Yeah, um, yeah, as one does. That's I, I, we've talked a lot about that on the show about uh, appropriate etiquette when meeting wrestlers, and I am team run away as fast as possible. That's my <laughs> that's my mo. I just like you know, as a show, we have to network, so I have to hang out for no more than seven minutes, and then I have to say I'm going to leave you alone now, and I do that. You're you're good at that. I'm just like, hey man, good, good job, and then I like <laughs> go as far away as possible. I mean, so we talked good about. Team. I don't want to. I don't want to beat this too, too far into the ground. I was the person who was like the first live show we went to together I was like Kath it's time to go meet people and you were like no I don't want to I don't, I don't want, want to do, to. I don't I don't do like this it. I don't want to do this and I was like it's like being at a comic con and you said I haven't been to one of those no I'm <laughs> cool man I don't do stuff like that you have a wrestling <laughs> podcast <laughs> it's true <laughs> this is definitely the least cool thing I do I would say that's not true that is absolutely not true I'm sorry <laughs> but, but yeah like they, 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 the whole hipster aspect of it doesn't I mean, I guess it's it's cool in, you know, in some regard, but it doesn't help us sell any more tickets. You know, it's like that it doesn't it doesn't bring any additional business where I feel like there's a lot of um, a lot of companies that will. And 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 this is they're completely within their rights. They'll have somebody show up and they'll you know, they'll make a big deal out of it. They'll put them on, you know, they'll take pictures, they'll put it on their social media, whereas we're I mean, we are uncompromisingly focused on the in-ring product yeah. and it's really cool that that people come and show up like uh you know nick kroll and paul Shear came to our last show and for me i'm huge fans of theirs and so that was super dope did not even in a million years would i imagine going up to talk to them and say hi it was just enough yeah. enough of a thrill for me that they came to the show and enjoyed themselves and that's kind of the the attitude that we take um well, you know, it's it's that's that the we're we're here to put on a wrestling show, and the wrestling is always the most important thing on the show. Yeah, that's the draw. I I feel like the thing about that too is like if if that becomes like the thing, I don't know. I feel like with wrestling, it's got to be the same as comedy. But like the the cooler you get with the crowd kind of the shittier the crowd gets like Mm -hmm. as far as being as far as being enthusiastic because everybody's just trying to be cool yeah that's the worst well I mean kind of that's sort of maybe that might be the great loophole with wrestling is because like the people I don't want to say there's a right way to enjoy things but the the people who enjoy it in the same way that I do which is you know empirically the right way um (laughs) is they enjoy it sincerely there's no cool factor. Like you, there's, you just, you get lost in it. You enjoy it. You love it wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's a, an irony free zone. Yes. I think our friend Patrick Monahan said, yes, I think, I think there's something about being 
being at a live show, and especially you know in the building in Reseda because it was so so packed and tight. But even even this place we're at now in downtown LA, it's you know it's a theater. It holds more people. It's got high ceilings, but there's like this mezzanine and these balconies where people feel like they're right on top of the ring, and it's just it's so intimate and it's so visceral that people can't help but react. Yeah, you yeah. know it's 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 whatever whatever their most uh, you know, authentic, authentic emotion is to seeing this performed in front of them, whether they're, they're bored to tears or (laughs) whether they're just amazed or horrified or whatever. It, it's, it's so tight and it's so packed that they can't help, but for that emotion to, to come out and, you know, multiply that by, you know, five, six, how, how many ever hundred people. And it, it creates for such an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, we talk about that on the show all the time about like the ego death that you experience in a yeah. live crowd of wrestling where you yeah. just completely give yourself over to like the emotional response that you're having and stuff. I think that's also why you, I've become such a fiend for going to live shows much more so. I don't want to say too much more so than you, but like I'm definitely the person who's like, OK, there's a show. Let's go. And you're like, I want to not do that <laughs> sometimes. Um but I mean, I, it's just so nice to get out of your brain for a while. Yeah, and totally. just like take a vacation and let you know somebody with some thumbtacks and a chair take over. <laughs> uh. <laughs> do you still feel that way about wrestling, or do you feel like you've been in it so long you you don't experience that kind of uh, like collective ego death anymore? It's it's really tough for me to get excited about wrestling. Yeah, uh, and you know, I mean, PWG, I do it. Because a, you know, it's part of my job, but b, because like I, I really believe that we have the best live experience, and so I think a lot of the the trouble for me is that PWG has basically spoiled it for me, <laughs> and so if I do go to other shows, you know, like uh, I mean, I don't I don't do a lot of other wrestling shows, but during like WrestleMania weekend. Uh, high spots will fly me out and I'll do commentary for them and I'll do you know a couple other shows or whatever. Mm. But just being in those rooms, it's like it doesn't have the same energy. And so it's like, even if the, the in ring matches are just as good, it doesn't, doesn't make me quite, you know, it doesn't give me that same feeling in my gut that being at a PWG show does. And yeah, I mean, there's just something about when, you know, when you go out there, you, you, I mean, you know that the, the fans are predisposed to, you know, in PWG, we're, I, I think most wrestling fans, it, it's a lot different than it was 10 years ago. Um, most wrestling fans go to show and they're, they're predisposed to, to have a good time. They're not yeah. there to shit on, shit on the wrestlers. Everybody wants and, to like it. Yeah. Whereas, I you know, I mean. That's kind of true of like, I, that's an adage I learned from like, cause I'm a state school theater major dropout. But one of the few important things I did learn during that, which is that like, 98% of the audience is rooting for you no matter what. People don't want something to be bad. It's no, awkward like, when it's bad. It like, sucks. No, like, like, it's such a slow percentage that's rooting for you to fail in the first place. But especially with something like PWG, which has yeah. this sort of aura about it of, you know, like, yeah. you're, like if you're going to a PWG show, you're going to have a really good fucking time. Yeah. So I want to ask you too about like, so you, you mostly do commentary now. Uh, did you, when you were wrestling, did you do commentary then or did you just kind of fall into it? Um, I, 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 we would do it, uh, occasionally. 
Um, but never, I never really thought it was kind of what I got into wrestling to do. But then the more I look back at it, the more I realize, oh, wait, talking about wrestling is something I love doing way, way more than actually wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Um, you you get less concussions from it most of the time. I guess unless someone wants to beat you up for what you said, but. The worst thing, the worst thing that I've had happen to me in the last 10 years is after doing like three nights in a row, I have to drink a lot of tea with a lot of honey and like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a, the worst, worst injury I've sustained. experience. What was yeah. the worst injury you sustained while you were in ring? Um, I had a possible skull fracture. Um, Fuck, where- dude. Yeah, I was uh, I was diving to the floor and a guy was supposed to throw a chair at me to cut me off. Yeah. He was about a half second late. And so I'm like, well, I've just got to dive or else it's going to look super shitty. And so I did like this half hearted dive and I kind of teeter tottered on the ropes and just went down head first at the floor. And while I was falling, he threw a chair at my butt. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. And so the timing was off. So it was just you cracking your head and then someone throwing a chair at your crumpled body. It's really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet that looked great. Chairs or cushions. I like. <laughs> right. Just yeah. Oh, no, no. His head will be saved when the guy throws a chair at it. It's made of metal. It's perfect. That is some very good reference wrestling logic yeah i mean in <laughs> retrospect thinking about it now like oh getting a chair uh whizzed at my head at how many ever miles per hour is actually the safer of the two outcomes <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you made it out all right yeah 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 i mean, but, I mean that is uh, quite honestly i mean that that is why i quit because i, I ended up having a bunch of concussions Oof. and yeah. i was really really worried about the uh the long-term effects and so i just you know, like wrestling, it just, it just kind of like I was banged up. It stopped being fun. And then I was thinking like, I, you know, I'm not going to make a career of this. There's guys that this is, this is going to be their vocation. But for me, that was, that was never the case. And so really there was nothing keeping me in the ring. Yeah. Okay. Um, well also, cause so when we first started talking to you, it was cause we, uh, shouted you out for being a socialist cause there are so, I feel like there are f- kind of few of us in the wrestling world that are like open about it. Right. I, 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 I think there's kind of few in general. Like, there's I mean, few in general. World. That's true. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to run out of like, uh, woke, nice people to talk about yeah, pretty soon. <laughs> but, uh, the only one that's running out sooner is stand up comedians. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I was just going to say that because like, it seems like if that's your hobby and you don't have health insurance and you're cracking your head every weekend, like, I don't know, that seems uh, that seems like a tough call to keep doing. You, Everyone who keeps doing it must have to really, really love falling on the ground and getting chairs thrown at them. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very tough way to make a living. And, you know, I mean, I everybody... Everybody that does wrestling, just the same as everybody that does stand up, um, everybody that works in the the comic book industry, everybody that works, you know, in some very kind of like niche passion project, they loved it at one point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Um, then you realize you've been doing it too long and you can't do anything else. And you go, oh, shit. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's there's that side of it. And then the other side of it is um, the people that uh well i mean i guess maybe not not the other side but the people that get to that point where they're like oh shit i can't do anything else but then they kind of rediscover this love for it and yeah 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 um like 
uh, I, I don't know his politics, but PCO does not seem like he might be the most <laughs> socially liberal fellow fellow. But, you know, it's like he's he was a dude that was in and around wrestling. He was in WWF like he did. He was part of the Mounties, like did all this shit. Mm-hmm. And then like all of a sudden had this weird renaissance because like he wanted he just he loved wrestling so much. And like he realized, um, you know, I can go and I can work a, a day job, but it's not it's not what I love. And so, you know, I mean, it just I mean, wrestling is, is like any any other of those passionate industries where it's like you start out loving it, you you end up hating it. But the people that are most successful are the people that I think come around back to loving it again. Yeah. PCO is such a great example because I feel like he's like everybody is so it's infectious when somebody rediscovers their love for it like that or like finds their place like it's so it's so uh you really want to root for somebody who you see like figuring out their spot you know yeah and we I feel personally like super privileged that we were there sort of like day one of the current PCO (laughs) renaissance that we're in yeah yeah uh I brought Rachel to that show and we got really drunk and I was really excited because she didn't know anything about um like anyone on that show like you Um, got spring oh for the listeners for spring break yeah Yeah. I have a lot of pictures of Rachel um seeing Nick Gage and Pentagon Jr. for the first time that are really good (laughs) 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 she's like losing her fucking mind but I mean the thing that I still think back on the most is like I mean it was isn't so much like oh my god that person is could absolutely murder me is the walter pco match is just kind of like this guy loves this so much it is shining through the bag of blood that is his chest right at this point he's and and like feeding off this awesome crowd energy to get his yeah uh, yeah 50 year old chest pounded into hamburger meat it was awesome <laughs> and it was just it was really beautiful and we i hadn't seen him since then and we saw him on Thursday uh, at an MLW taping and there was somebody next to me going like, man, PCO, who knew? And I was like, well, Walter did, I guess. Yeah, but, whoever booked him for that show. Yeah, whoever. And like, because it was, it must have been, was it Joey who booked him? Actually, yeah, we I don't, don't know. know. doesn't matter. Um, but just kind of like being able to be there to be like, oh, I was there. I saw the beginning of this like incredible moment that's happening for him. Where it's just like you can, you don't have to get chewed up and spit out by this business. Right, You yeah. can be beloved in yeah. later years. It's a nice, like, again, sort of fighting against my cynicism of, projecting my cynicism of comedy at wrestling. <laughs> it's nice to see somebody overcome it, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the other thing, too, is, I mean, PCO came in with, uh, and, I mean, it's, I don't, you know, I'm not... I don't mean this as to take shots at anybody, but he came in with a very humble attitude yeah, where he's yeah. like, I know I've been out for so long and I know people remember me for like having a pirate gimmick and that's it. <laughs> you know, it's like people, people in Montreal remembered him because he was, you know, he was wrestling Kevin Steen 15 years ago and they were having crazy death matches outside of Montreal. Nobody's thought about PCO in, you know, 20, 25 years. Yeah. And so he came in fully, fully owning that. And, you know, there's there's some guys that um, I mean not so much anymore but like when I first started there was a lot of guys that were you know it was right after the uh, the the attitude era had ended and so there was these guys from like the late 80s that you know still thought that they could come in and you know main event a show and you know we were guys that were 
trying going out there and busting our asses and trying, you know, like dropping each other on our heads and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And, you know, then you would have like, you know, uh, honky tonk man come out and be like, why the fuck are you guys doing all that? You just, <laughs> you just ruin it for the rest of us. And, you know, whereas like, you know, he was just there to get paid and we were there to get to the point where we could maybe get paid, you know? And so it's yeah. like PCO, I mean, to his complete credit realizes that, I mean, he's, he's basically starting from the bottom and, um, is conducting himself like that, even though he's not, he's, you know, he's conducting himself like that. And that's, what's made this even more endearing, I think. Yeah, totally. Well, also, I mean, like not to take away from that credit too, PCO has the most unique posting talent I've ever seen. <laughs> he's a very talented poster. I, whoever's running his Twitter, if it's not him, is a, a gifted poster. <laughs> like, he's so good at it. I love the up and down typing so, so much. It's like straight out of building your own GeoCities website. <laughs> if you're a teen goth. And I'm so glad mine was destroyed and that GeoCities is no longer a viable platform in that regard. Actually, you know, so uh, behind the scenes, uh, before we started talking to you, Excalibur, we recorded an episode about uh, Minoru Suzuki. And I got some of the information for that from an archive GeoCities page so they're out there yeah. i was gonna say web web archive does exist so rachel <laughs> you may want to be careful i really gotta wipe my like teen geo cities page then where i was like really angry at my social studies teacher or something like that <laughs> have you deleted your live journal i deleted my live journal pretty no, recently No, i just made it private <sighs> get rid of that shit get it out no it's locked it's locked <laughs> um <laughs> there's like one live journal community i still like to go on sometimes and read and like i have to i have to look at that one i have to look at oh no they didn't because i've been posting on it for 12 years this is a good segue i feel like i i don't know if we've asked other wrestlers this but we have talked about asking other wrestling people this uh what forums did you post on back in the day um socal uncensored i would uh post on which is uh obviously a socal centric uh wrestling forum and I didn't I wasn't super active, uh, you know, like promoting myself or anything like that. But um, I did. And this this predates both you guys by millennia uh, was posting on uh, Rec Sport Pro Wrestling, which was a, a news group. It was before yeah. there was like web based forums. Yeah. And so I did I did post on there and I, I would, um, you know, post about uh, Japanese wrestling, which I was super into in the in the late 90s. And I would post about that. But once like web forums kind of took off, I was posting almost exclusively in like a, you know, for lack of a better term, professional capacity. So I was always like promoting shows or like answering questions or, you know, things like so just you kind of like. Doing, like just shit talk support. people and you didn't make a shit posting alt. I really, really respect that. No, that's what that's what instant message was for. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I kind of I never did the I like lurked on something awful, but I really I was a something awful poster. I mean, sure. like our our producer is sort of a known something awful poster. I did that. Of, I like, did those hallowed terrible. Is it, halls. Is it low tax? Is no, no. Yeah. Our producer our is producer not low tax. tax. <laughs> R.I.P. His Twitter. Um, he followed me. I was very, I was very honored. 
Oh, low tax. He never followed me, but he would. He like replies to me all the time and talks shit to me. <laughs> I posted on something awful. I posted on nothing nice to say. Do you know that one? It was a punk rock message board. Yes, I, d- I was too scared to post on that one because somebody from my high school did, and I knew they would call me a poser if I shut up. <laughs> <on it. laughs> and you are rightfully so. Yeah. Oh no, they were one hundred percent correct. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've both been primed in the ways of, um, like. Uh, men being condescending about things we like because we both were like into punk in high school. Yeah. I feel like there's a very similar uh, yeah. vibe to not all of wrestling fandom, but definitely some areas of it. I, I would mean, say. my first serious boyfriend nagged me out of doing stand up. Yeah. Yeah. No, he told me I was bad at it so many times that I stopped doing it for five years. What's his name? Let's go find him. <laughs> no, it's fine. His life sucks. I won. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He well, got this. With this doesn't have to make the show, but like <laughs> I um am friendly with Mark Hoppus online, which is like not punk, but whatever. Uh, it. I got to meet him two years ago when he was like playing a show at the Barclays, and he invited um. Uh, my friend Patrick and I and like I texted that guy who told me who like discouraged me out of doing comedy like oh my god I'm at Mark Hobbes tonight and he went on this deranged tangent being like you think you're better than anyone from behind a keyboard and i was like look man i'm really sorry i'm sorry i have to go talk to my friend mark hoppus right I now have, i can't I respond to, to this text hero who is the reason that you played based shittily so like i'm really i'm so sorry anyway that's out that's we, out of my system can we talk about uh tom delong and his ufo research yo we yeah fucking always mark, there's no way mark this is what the real this. podcast is starting now yeah thank god so like how correct do you think he is because <laughs> what's the what's the opposite of one million percent correct you think zero, you think zero percent this is i feel like we're tr- treading into uh uh popping dogs talking hogs territory which excalibur is frequently on yeah. off camera so i don't want to rip yeah. them off but you've never answered the question do you think aliens are real uh, no uh <laughs> got him we got him we, we have a scoop them. we won <laughs> you don't think they're real well i mean not not aliens as 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 we believe they you know they are to exist i think there is probably life elsewhere on other planets whether it is uh you know whether they have the capability of interstellar travel or things like that i don't think that exists but i do believe that somewhere in the the great big universe of ours there is you know organisms or there are space horses or whatever <laughs> you know like there, there's some there are other beings out there yes so you're but more like, of a dana scully is what you're saying yes okay uh, <laughs> i mean i feel like you like i see where you're coming from but you can't lead with no and then go to but there's probably space horses like that to me is a yes <laughs> i respect i don't think they take the form of little green men Sure. Yeah. It's like being. What spirit- does Tom DeLonge think? It's like being spiritual but not re- religious sure. in terms of space horses. Tom DeLonge has like paired up with the U.S. government to do UFO research. Like his whole. What is his? Does shitty- he have like a perspective? I know he's like in. He's like in NASA now or something. No, he's not in NASA. He's not. <laughs> he's not smart enough. Um. He. Uh. His whole like like even on that first 
big Blink-182 album. There was that song, Aliens Exist. He had Oh, that, shit. I never thought about he that. He had that side project, <laughs> um, Angels and Airwaves, which was bad. Uh, but it was all space-themed. Okay. And, like, I think he... Because, like, I mean, I don't want to be super shitty. He has battled addiction, but I think in the throes of addiction... Like, we have one friend who fought addiction and then went to go fight ISIS. Tom DeLonge fought addiction and then decided to fully invest in the aliens thing. Okay. I mean, <laughs> whatever gets you through. Yeah, whatever gets you through. Like, Br- uh, Brace joined the YPG. Tom DeLonge joined NASA. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... it. Like, I, I don't... He, like, fully believes in it. Like, he... Wants yeah. to get all the secrets. Yeah, and I think he's. I feel like, like this is why I feel like there's probably if a, I don't think aliens have been here because if there were alien secrets, Donald Trump would have just said them by now. I personally think that they like they didn't. T- if they are there are they were like we they're keeping it away have from him to tell him like yeah. he knows he has to get the codes. He doesn't know that he has to get this part. Do you think he has the real codes? This is a question for everyone. By oh, the way, no. What do you no, think I Excalibur? think they told him that the codes are 69420 and he re- accepted it readily. <laughs> <laughs> when he that that like first month when uh, he went down to Mar-a-Lago and he had the dude with the nuclear football like taking pictures with all of like the rich millionaire guests of Mar-a-Lago like that was that was like a, a, a shiver down my spine moment where like, oh, this is actually real. And this is very, <laughs> yeah. very scary. You and know, it's, it's like, like it's worst case scenario for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's like you can you can read about something and, you know, you could read about like being confronted by like a hungry bear in the woods and you could be like, oh, shit, the revenant. Wow. That's real scary. But like when you are confronted by a hungry bear in the woods and it's like eating your leg like. That's a different scary, you know, that is like, and that's, that's the kind of, you know, that was the hungry bear in the woods was, uh, seeing, you know, seeing some rich, uh, rich Palm beach real estate developer posing, uh, you know, doing, uh, doing finger guns at the nuclear football. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean like it's scary to see the bear walk by your car. Mm-hmm. Let alone, which was, I would say that was the election, right? Uh, Is that the analogy we're drawing here? Uh, the uh, bear walking by the car was him winning the primary. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. I don't know anything. I just know that what what's happening now is bad. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't have any more like articulate opinions than like everyone should have health care and uh, people shouldn't be racist and you know all that stuff. But I know. I mean, that's not a, you know, like, unfortunately, that's that's like a that's a strong position to take. these Exactly. Days. Yeah. You know, like and I don't know. I mean, it's I think I think people, there, you know, there, there really aren't a lot of, you know, socialists in wrestling, but there are way more now, especially than than when I first started way more left leaning people in that, you know, they're just like, oh, yeah, like I. I meet people from all over the world and like for the most part people are cool and they deserve to have you be cool to them. Like, I mean, the young bucks are a perfect example. They come from a hyper religious family and yet, you know, I mean, here they are just like, you know, traveling the world, doing all this stuff, meeting people from all, all sorts of backgrounds. And you know, one of their best friends in wrestling is Joey Ryan 
and uh, you know joey is somebody that um has not always been as and i i think he, he he may cringe at me me saying this but i think he would admit it very very readily he was not always the most uh woke person in the world but now has has realized like oh wait like it's well, this this is cynical to say, but you realize a it's profitable for me to be like this, but also b like people are generally cool, and like if it's just as long as we're cool to other people, there that there's no real downside to that. It always surprised me that wrestling seemed to like historically lean more to the right. It's cool that it seems to be changing now, um, but it, but yeah, just because of that, because so much of it is travel, like that you are going to all of these places and meeting all of these different types of people, and also the fact that like the labor position of wrestlers has always seemed to be so weak. Like I would think that that would radicalize people in a way that it doesn't seem to. I have. mean, it makes you become a diplomat, whether or not you intended to be. You know, mm-hmm. if you have to meet people all the time, if your job, if part of your job is meeting people, if, if part of your job is making people feel like they meet a friend that day, then you naturally have to become a diplomat to a certain degree. And it has to open up your mind, I think, more so now well, than right, it would that's, have in the past. I agree with you, but it's but that's why it's strange to me that it doesn't seem to have always been that way. Well, I mean, for when when we started PWG and this was 2003 um, the, our, our big thing was like, we just wanted people that we wanted to have a cool locker room because there was a lot of people that just had shitty attitudes, whether, you know, whether it was entitlement or, you know, whatever it was. And it, it took a little while for us to figure it out. But once we did, I mean, I think that's when things really started going well for us is when we just had a, you know, a room full of guys that like everybody wouldn't mind hanging out together and, that's, you know, that's a tough thing to find. It's interesting to hear you say that because like that, I feel like that is the vibe I get watching those shows is that like, not only is it somewhere the audience wants to be, it's somewhere that all the wrestlers really want to be. And like, everybody just seems to be having a really good time. And that, it just seems like ideal conditions for making a good show, for making something entertainment is when people are having fun. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the guys. I think the guys that are are probably least successful in PWG are guys that just treat it like a you know like another booking. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's not to say that you know we're we're any more important than any you know any other promotion, but uh, the fans get it. Yeah, you know, I mean the the fans feel like that they're they're into something special, and they kind of hope that the the wrestlers are treated as such. Um, I have questions about specifically about commentary because you are one of our favorite commentators. I'm not just saying that because you're the first one that's been on our show. <laughs> I swear. I mean it. I would say it's him and like Don Callis, right? <laughs> they're yours. We, I really like the New Japan uh, commentary team right now. Yeah. But yeah, they're good. And I like the one guy from NXT a lot and you. Like, and and me, <laughs> and, and Excalibur. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you gestured, and I was like, "I po- you like when I talk mic. over the TV all the time?" I he was he, I was pointing <laughs> to the mic, and because he would know. It's like when you're inside and you're like remembering an address from three years ago, and you say like, "Yeah, it's towards the left." Like you would know. <laughs> um, Fair enough. But who are your favorite wrestlers to call as a commentator? Hmm. Um, well, I like Zach because he will always work in some sort of like weird, like socialism reference or weird, like (laughs) 
Stuart um, Lee ref joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. I mean, the, it, it, like, the, he told me actually after after I, I started calling that move that um, that he couldn't get them to call it that in Japan unless somebody else did it first. And so, <laughs> so they were like, "Oh yeah, that's what they call it in PWG." And he's like, "Are you sure they call it orienteering with napalm death?" And uh, <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, look, watch the video. And then so he pulled up like the video. And sure enough, there I was saying it. And then so like Stuart Lee was uh, doing it. He was like in Japan or something. I don't remember what it was, but like his management reached out to Zach and was like, hey. Oh, Stuart. shit. Band. Yeah. Oh my awesome. god, that's wonderful. I'm that's, so fucking jealous. I that's love Stuart like Lee. As good as him being like, I'm Corbin's favorite wrestler because I'm the only one he knows. <laughs> yeah, we've decided our um because uh, one time Rachel said it uh kind of accidentally. So on our podcast, um Zach Saber Jr. and Jeremy Corbin are best friends. So I feel like we can also add that he hangs out with Stuart Lee. That's yeah, on the have, podcast. Yeah. They have a group I mean, text. That's that's all my together. Head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Everyone cool from England hangs out together. Aww. So you like Zach? Uh, I, I love doing Zach's matches. Um, I like um, I like doing the Young Bucks just because there's like so many layers. I've been calling their matches for so long. There's like so many layers of esoterica uh, <laughs> uh, in the commentary that I think it's just for me at this point. <laughs> That, you know, like references that I make and like, I'm super stoked to do the all in show. Yeah. And, you know, it's like uh, right right now there's like I don't there's no plans. Like it's just like the commentary team might just be for the people in the building. I don't even know. <laughs> but like I am super stoked to just uh, go out there and have like my, you know, 12 years of Young Bucks references locked and loaded and ready to go and just just. <laughs> And nobody will get them except for me, and I will just be cackling for the entire night. <laughs> That's like how the Venture Brothers team builds their show. Yeah. They build their scripts because those two guys are so in each other's brains all day that it takes like nine layers to understand like a single joke on that show sometimes because they're so like just like an Uroboros of references at each other all day <laughs> that that sounds like a similar thing. But that's one of the things I love about that show. So that just immediately like pings for me in my <laughs> brain of like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. You're just having fun with your friends. Who's your favorite uh, person to do commentary with? Um, for a serious match, it would be Hero, Chris Hero, or mm. Cassius Ono. And um, just for, you know, for, for, for yucking it up, it's it's got to be big dust. <laughs> um, I, I, I love doing it with uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Owens, but, you know, obviously he's been gone for, for, for quite some time. He disappeared into the wilderness after that bear attack. Where did he and, go? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Back into the wilds but, of Canada. But he he was always one of my favorites. But yeah, I mean, recently, definitely, definitely Chuck. I mean, I I think, like the the weird the weird thing about him is that like, I feel like he hates me. <laughs> I I feel like you're probably not the only person on <laughs> earth who feels that way about him. <laughs> I I don't think that. Uh, I, I feel like we have heard other people say that about him to us, and we don't even know yeah. that many people who know him. So <laughs> it's just it, like I think he just has a very like low level tolerance for most everybody, and <laughs> like I'm I'm hyper aware of that, and so like I take it kind of personally, 
and uh, oh, you know, I so find that so relatable. <laughs> Which part? Oh, just like taking that super personally of like, is this person upset with me? Like, I I'm pretty easygoing socially, but like, there's certain things where I'll like white knuckle if somebody doesn't seem to like me, and I'm like, ah. uh, <laughs> see, I I hope you don't feel that way about me because I adore you, but I find it very relatable to have a very low tolerance for everyone. So <laughs> <laughs> we're on both sides of that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a weird position where it's like I feel like because I'm you know so so related to PWG people have to like pretend to like me and mm. so I'm like I'm like oh wait do they you know are they actually laughing at you know my witticism or are <laughs> they just like you know yeah, you're like right. a kid who grew up with a swimming pool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, I would just use that power to get more wrestlers in DSA, but I'm a gremlin. Yeah, can you just try to radicalize everyone? I know you can't, but I just I mean, we like, need to put that out there. I can get wrestlers to say that they're in DSA, but it's like <laughs> you can't. I can't get. I couldn't get people to sign up for for the Affordable Care Act. Yeah. I was like, I mean, like, I'm like, dude, if you go to the emergency room and like you break your leg and you can't flee before they, you know, before they bring the bill around, it's going to be very expensive. It's going to put you into bankruptcy. <laughs> just just shell out the, you know, the 200 bucks a month. Just say, like, I don't know, say you're a librarian or something. Don't put down that you're a wrestler. Thank you. Um, this is we have literally said this on our podcast. If any wrestlers are listening, just lie. Just get the health insurance. <laughs> Unemployed, right. you're a contractor. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to say what you do. Yeah. It's uh, the the government is scamming us anyway. Lie to the government. Get your health insurance that we should all have anyway. And that way they can itch their liberty, like scratch their libertarian itch and just be yeah. done with it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we radicalize the libertarians. Is we just tell them that it's like. No, you're it's stealing the from the government. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> you look cooler now. <laughs> um, as so, you grew up a big old wrestling fan, correct? Um, yeah, I I was super into wrestling from probably age you know eight to maybe twelve, um, and then you know I, I went to high school and I was you know I was really into. Um, I, I, when I say counterculture, that has like one meaning, but when I say counterculture, I mean like, oh, I owned like an English soccer Jersey and that was like, <laughs> that was, that was my affectation. And, uh, um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was like the bad kind of counterculture. <laughs> and, uh, is any but, teenager good at counterculture? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know, judge yourself too harshly on your teenage actions. I thought this story was going to say, and then I wanted to meet girls. <laughs> yeah. Every single dude we've had on every single, uh, female oriented person we've had on. has been like, yeah, I really like wrestling as a kid. And then I wanted to fuck. So I stopped watching it for a while. <laughs> and then I realized I couldn't fuck anyway. So I started watching it again. You're just directly quoting Ron Funches. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Unfortunately, I, I had the, the, uh, the revelation of like, oh, I'm not going to fuck anyway. So I might as well just, uh, that came very early on when I was like 13 or 14. <laughs> and so I just like fully leaned into like my, you know, my nerdiness and my, my pedantry. And so like, I got super into, uh, 
I got super into Japanese wrestling. Like I, I started watching Mexican wrestling and I got super into Japanese wrestling at like age 16 or 17. Oh, that's how and, you fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, none of my life slash career choices have been in the interest of fucking. And, <laughs> Same. But, respect. Yeah. Same. Oh my hey, God. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, not 19 year old me is really, really happy with <laughs> that. <laughs> but, what uh, uh, yeah. what uh, Japanese wrestling did you watch? What was your, like your favorite? Uh, what was your shit? It was um, I well, I, the thing that kind of got me into non-American wrestling was Lucha Libre, but it was so shitty that um, I couldn't really hang with it. And then I saw like these Japanese dudes doing like more hard-hitting Lucha Libre style, and that was Michinoku Pro, which mm-hmm. was the great Sasuke's promotion, still still running today, but uh, in the in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties was really their boom period. And they, um, those guys were just like so influential. And then through them, I discovered, uh, all Japan pro wrestling from, from the mid to actually the early to, to late nineties with, you know, Misawa, uh, Kawada, Kobashi, Akira Tawe, Dr. Dusty Williams, Stan Hansen, all these guys. And just these big motherfuckers just like killing one another and so it's like this weird weird dichotomy of like these guys in masks doing like these flips and like you know all these like crazy displays of agility mixed with uh these like guys just smashing the shit out of each other and i feel like wrestling today has become an amalgamation of both those things and i you know i mean it might be a little presumptuous of me to say but i think pwg did have a guiding hand in that we you know we were the the um the the hand that guided the economy of of professional wrestling yeah i mean i don't think that's like presumptuous at all given the sort of like indie boom that we're in that i think pwg has been very instrumental and like i said that was you know i i introduced pwg to rachel pretty early but that was one of the first indie promotions i ever saw for sure. Yeah. I um I just I like because we're definitely I think in and not just because it's something I'm paying attention to now. This is just the general consensus. We are in like a new renaissance of wrestling. It seems like. It's least in terms of people like us, like our demographic of sort of like weird kind of people who work in creative fields uh in their late 20s to mid 30s. Yeah. Kind of revisiting like Oh, this thing that I liked when I was a kid. It turns out there's like a bunch more than WWE that I can watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Comic-Con was just this past weekend. I don't know when this is going to air, but it was. And, you know, I live here in San Diego. And so, you know, I, I was talking to a lot of people that were, um, you know, in whether they were in animation or actual comics or, you know, wherever. And they were I mean, they are so, you know, so into wrestling now. And it's it is it is a renaissance where all these people from all these these disparate fields have kind of come either come back or come to wrestling for the first time, basically because of the enthusiasm of of the people that have kind of come back to it. Who would you from your like childhood enthusiasm to like sort of like one of these tent poles of PWG now, who would you say is a wrestler that I should learn about? Oh, it's such a tough question. Like, I want, I want to throw a million names at you. Well, give me, like, well, I'll, I love a list. <laughs> um, I would say if you, 
if you go through and you watch, uh, it's it's tough to find, but uh, the early Michinoku stuff with uh, Great Sasuke, and you know he had like this army of like uh, goofily masked. Uh, you know, there was Super Delphin, who was a dolphin character. There was yeah. uh, uh, Masato Yakashiji, who had a Robin Hood outfit, and w- complete with like little daggers, uh, little fabric daggers sewn into his fabric waistband. Uh, There's Grand Naniwa, who was the you know the great crab, and like he would come out to the ring with giant crab claws on his hands. Fuck and yeah, then- dude! Fuck yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm gonna watch this tonight. I know, but this also then, sounds like like the Aquabat show. <laughs> Again, it, I mean, it, it is it is a, a a precursor, definitely a precursor to that. But then they would wrestle uh, Kai and Tai, who you know they had a run in WWF, but they were more comic relief than anything. But these guys, when Kai and Tai were like the heels at the top of their form, they were like tearing these guys' masks off. They were beating the shit out of them they were like they were just like brutalizing them there were there was one point where um super delphin he he got beaten up so bad that um they made uh they all stood in a line with like their their legs like arched and they made super delphin crawl under their legs like in between their legs to shame him that much further (laughs) that's awesome like there's like this weird, like, you know, like this weird Japanese, like kind of pride element to it. But then also like this, this level of like, uh, like this need for revenge that, you know, that translates that, that's, uh, that surpasses these guys just wearing like these goofy masks where they real you know, they're finally like, Hey, I'm an entertainer, but you've pushed me too far. And now yeah. for you. And so, yeah, I think, uh, that, that era from like 94 to 96 or 97 of Michinoku pro would definitely be, uh, one of the most influential and, you know, I'm, I'm really hesitant to, to recommend it because like the barrier of entry is so high, mm. but, uh, like the leftovers, I real I think <laughs> that the payoff is, is so much more rewarding than, you know, than the homework it takes to get into it. For sure. For sure. That makes sense. I feel like there is like it, you know, like we've talked about it before about like the phenomenon of gatekeeping and stuff like that. But there is something to this idea of like, no, no, no. If you put in the work to understand this, you will get more out of it when you, you know, finally are at the point where you can understand what's going on. I mean, I mentioned the Venture Brothers earlier, but also there's people I've learned about while doing this show that it's like, if I had done this at the beginning, I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. Yeah, totally. now having Mm -hmm. those layers to it, I can understand, like, Suzuki or Tanahashi more. Yeah, wrestling has some weird gatekeeping aspects where there's like fans that are like, you know, very possessive of it and they, you know, like possessive and confrontational about the gatekeeping. But then, you know, like especially like the early Japanese stuff um, and, you know, like all Japan and New Japan in the, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, that's mm-hmm. been pretty well documented. And that's, you know, it's not so hard to to find out about that. But it's like if you want to see like Minoru Suzuki fighting like Pancrase when he was, you know, 20, 22 years old, that's not like, nobody's going to prevent you from finding that like access to video footage is going to prevent you from finding that. (laughs) Nobody's going to be like smugly saying like, Oh, you haven't seen that. It's gonna be like, Oh fuck. Like I've, I've been searching like weird Russian tube sites and I still can't find it. You know, it's (laughs) like, God bless those Russian tube sites. They keep this podcast going. (laughs) What, what What else do you like? What else is, uh, you say you're like you don't watch other wrestling at the moment, 
What are, what are you uh, watching? Woody. <laughs> right. I mean, I watch. I, I I've been watching New Japan here and there. You know, if somebody says like a match is good, I'll I'll check it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, wrestling right now, I mean, is not you know unless I'm doing research, it's it's it feels more like like kind of work. And I'm because yeah. uh, when I when I watch it closely, I think more analytically about it when I'm watching like television, I can kind of like not necessarily check out because a lot of the television I do watch is, is challenging like the venture brothers. Um, <laughs> you excited for the new season? Super, super stoked. Uh, um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I am um, producer. Nate and I were Hank and Dean for Halloween one year. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm the Hank. If you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spiritually um, yeah, Hank. So- uh yeah venture brothers is is always a favorite um geez what else god uh uh, does have you guys seen detroiters i heard it's so good i have not i don't think i've even heard of it oh it's a comedy central right yeah comedy central but it is so ultra specific to detroit that i wonder if anybody like even even gets uh, you know a quarter of the jokes but like having grown up there it's like that ultra specificity speaks to me and it like checks all those boxes like of the the esoterica that i, I you know i so enjoy uh in, in weaving into my commentary it's just like somebody made a show of references for uh you know a metropolitan area of 1.2 million people <laughs> and somehow it got out to comedy central yeah i mean two of my closest friends are from detroit so maybe i should just watch it so then like i can you know become that much closer to them <laughs> 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 but i've heard nothing but good things about it as a do show. you feel like that kind of stuff influences your commentary oh definitely yeah uh i mean one of one of the biggest references or one of the biggest influences on my commentary was mr show Oh like, my God. Oh, hell yeah. You're speaking my language. Yeah. I feel like Mr. Show is like the reason I do stand up. Like if I could point to one thing, it would be that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's totally like, uh, you know, I mean, for uh, the first two or three years of, of PWG, we were, we were barely doing commentary. We were just telling jokes to crack each other up <laughs> and, and were I to go back and watch it now, I'm sure it would be unlistenable. But, you know, I mean, that was, you know, I mean, kind of PWG gave us the the chance to or gave me the chance to, to figure out like my, you know, my commentary voice. And, you know, when I realized like PWG was kind of taking off that I had to kind of take PWG more seriously or take commentary more seriously. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk now doing uh, Better Call Saul, which I'm also super stoked about, uh, <laughs> you know, where. He's, uh, you know, he, he's taking it a little more seriously, but he still, uh, still, still likes to to have a laugh. (laughs) So would you say, would you say you're the Bob Odenkirk of wrestling? Uh, well, a lot of people think I'm Jewish, so maybe I'm the David Cross, but. uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we should, we should probably wrap this up. Is there anything, uh, anything else you would like the WrestleSplania listeners to know about you, Excalibur? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a decent follow online. I think, I think so, sometimes I have the tendency to get drunk and just go on tweet storms. And so you could find that, me online at, sh- at shut up Excalibur. That makes um, you good at Twitter. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I follow you. You're, you're a good Twitter follower. Yeah, definitely. Twitter follow. Um, go to PWG, obviously. If you're listening yeah, to this, you already cool. probably either go or want to go. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, we want to go, but we're on the East Coast, so one day, one day. our co-producer goes all the time. Yeah, LB. Yeah, and 
and so if yeah you're i mean if if you're interested the uh you know we we have a very archaic uh distribution model and so we are available on blu-ray and dvd hell yeah hell yeah, yeah. Uh, physical media but, you know, it, it works for us so um so yeah uh but you know there's uh I don't know, ProWrestlingGorilla.com. We're, we're pretty cool. Thank you, Excalibur, for being here. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We have yeah. a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. Uh, WrestleSplania on Twitter, uh, WrestleSplania at gmail.com, Instagram, all that stuff, WrestleSplania. Uh, follow us. Yeah, please. What else do we have Sign to say? Anything? Patreon, you know, all that. Yeah, we have bonus episodes and stuff on there, so yeah. do it. I'm drunk. I'm sorry. I drank a lot of rosé. <laughs> um, uh, this is going to come out before Lost in New York. If you listen to this and you see us at Lost in New York, come say hi. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, Excalibur, thank you so, so much for coming on. You are free to come back anytime. If you want to come back and do an episode about any of those things that you recommended. Yeah, to come me, talk about Michinoku Pro with us sometime. Yeah, that would be great. Or if you want to talk about, you know prestige tv we could have we could have a bonus episode thank you so much uh have a great rest of your evening bye guys bye bye all right cool that's wrap i feel like we already like ruined his life because we on the episode about him we said he didn't do his taxes and then like a bunch of people just kept tweeting at him to do his taxes people are still harangue so, I, was, I, was I was also one of those people that was, was i was just every time i saw him in person i was like hey did, did you get rid of your tax liability yet you know that there's a, a forgiveness clause like after 10 years you could do this you just need to speak to a tax attorney uh here's the number of some tax attorneys i know in the, in the state of new york did you call this tax attorney i was very i was very adamant that he that he deal with this i really this is like making me feel so much better because i feel like i have so much anxiety about every wrestler i like not having health insurance and like not doing their taxes and just being an idiot i'm glad you are you know you're out there you're on the ground you're doing wonderful commentary work but you're also trying to get these people's lives in order and i appreciate (laughs) that because someone needs to do it. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> it, it is, yeah, it is my uh, my uh, Sisyphusian task. <laughs>